This is the Life of Jesus podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. For a full year, we've been looking at the life of Jesus through the four Gospels put together in one chronological flow. Uh, ben, we've, we're kind of moving through this. We're into the second half of the year in the life of Jesus, and we're actually we're coming uh, up on Pentecost. This, this is a the season of Pentecost as this is being released. And it's you know it's, Pentecost is kind of like the forgotten holiday. It seems in the life of the church to a degree we we get all ramped up about Christmas, the, the birth of Jesus and Easter, the resurrection of Christ, but the giving of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost somehow takes a back seat in most of our churches. But it's a pretty important day, isn't it? Yeah, and, and outside the resurrection of Christ, the most important uh, in the history or, or the life of the church, the life of the believer. And so, yeah, yeah, sadly, uh, we don't pay much mind uh, to Pentecost. You think it's because like there's no Pentecost Santa Claus or Pentecost Easter Bunny in the secular world that makes people pay attention to a deal that or maybe we need to create a character or... Or a food, like if there were a Pentecost food, like a, you know, an Easter ham or something. I don't know. Like, what what would it be that? What would the Pentecost food be that we could get everybody to stop and celebrate? I don't know, but you would think that Pentecost would lend itself to like a a good uh, grilling or something, right? Yeah, right. There, Putting there something over the flame. Um, but yeah, crazy enough. I mean, if you think about it, uh, there's no, there's not, there's no market value to it right it's <laughs> a sad so, comment i mean it's a sad commentary maybe not just on culture but the church itself but there's no real market value to it so it's not one of those things that we uh celebrate or, or recognize as we should yeah it's it's interesting i wonder if if it kind of it moves around before and after memorial day weekend so i, I wonder if it kind of gets lost in the shuffle of all of that uh, just a bit so nonetheless uh, happy Pentecost season to all of you, and we know that we are living in the time in which Christ has given us the Holy Spirit to be the church, be his body of on, on the earth. So we're, we're grateful for that. We're going to be spending some, some extra time in the Gospel of Luke. The last few episodes we've been in Luke, and the next four or five, I think, are in the Gospel of Luke, because Luke chapters 10 through 17 largely have things that are only in Luke. So we're going to spend some time in Luke's gospel, and we, we're going to continue, that is, in Luke's gospel, and take a look at some things that Jesus is saying and doing to prepare his followers to lead the church after he leaves, when he gives the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. He's preparing them for that, that day and that season, which continues even now, 2,000 years later. So let's begin in Luke chapter 12, in verse 1. Jesus says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another. Now that's, that's a big crowd. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, Jesus is not just with his 12 buddies out in the wilderness. There are so many thousands of people that it's, it's a mob scene, trampling on each other. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. I wonder if he's speaking to them kind of out of this warning of, 
be careful to get caught up in the crowd, the frenzy, the not just the mob scene, but of being all that, you know, because the crowds are with us and, and you might think you're, you're so great. So he says to his disciples, be on your guard. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. We've looked at this a little bit before, this idea of hypocrisy, that Jesus has no tolerance for, it seems at all, of being somebody different on the outside than you are on the inside, of, of living your life one way and saying something else. What, what do you think is, is so important about this idea that Jesus keeps coming back to it over and over again? And he's now, as he's preparing his disciples to lead the church in his absence, he's saying, of all things, watch out. Be careful of hypocrisy. What do you think is going on there? I think with the Pharisees, there's this constant refrain um, and challenge from Jesus, uh, recognizing, calling out their own self-righteousness, the claim ultimately that they're following God, and yet their hearts are not really tied uh, to the will of God. Their hearts are not really tied uh, to the love of God. And so Christ continues to press into that. And uh, maybe most boldly, as we'll see, uh, I guess, in a couple of weeks, um, but when Jesus calls out, uh, and I think, yeah, Luke 18, where he, shows, he does the parable of, the, uh, of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, and really uh, paints this picture of where the heart of the Pharisee lies. You're, you came, you just got back from Dallas, and you're, you're wearing a t-shirt. Um, you, you went and got the t-shirt, which is pretty cool. Um, what's the t-shirt say on it, and why are you wearing that t-shirt? Uh, the, the t-shirt, um, it's in Greek, but the English translation is slave of Jesus Christ. That's kind of opposite of what the Pharisees were doing, eh? Yes. Yeah, so what, why is it important to you to wear a t-shirt that says slave of Jesus? You're wearing it in Greek, so... Not a whole lot of people probably know what it says, but why, why is it important But it will incline to, them to ask me, right? It might do that. So why is that important to you to wear that shirt? Uh, it's just a reminder to me. This was my favorite phrase uh, in the Greek text when I was you know, studying Greek uh, years ago, um, to the point where I almost uh, got it tattooed on my forearm and then later thought better of it. Uh, but the... Uh, the idea that my, my life is not my own, it's been bought at a price, uh, the price of uh, Christ's life, and that in all things, I am to live submissive to him. Um, he is my Lord, he is my Savior, he is my Sovereign, and so uh, he is perfect in love, perfect in truth. I can entrust my life to him, I can submit my life uh, to him, and follow after him uh, wherever Wherever he calls, wherever he leads, uh, that is where I must go. You know, it's not too late for the tattoo. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> so Jesus goes on there, and let's skip down to verse 8, because this sort of fits together. There's a lot here. We just won't be able to cover it all. But down in Luke 12, verse 8, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, 
the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. There's a lot in there that we could we could pull apart and take a look at uh, for a bit. But what stands out from you in that in those verses eight through ten that are helpful when we when we think about what it means to be a, a slave of Christ Jesus? Yeah, to to the willingness to acknowledge Christ as Savior in all things, to not uh, distance ourselves uh, from Him, uh, but to live uh, faithfully um, uh, under His under His rule. A- again, just giving the whole of ourselves uh, to Him. Uh, I saw a uh, I saw a quote recently, and it said something to the effect that failure in ministry is not. Uh, the failure of what we might define of success or not achieving success, failure uh, is a, a failing to live faithfully to Christ. But the reality is, is that the whole of my life is to be lived uh, faithfully for the sake of Christ. That, that's it. And so to that end, I'm going to uh, live my life, uh, hopefully, um, identified with my Savior, that people would know me uh, for who it is that I follow uh, after, that I've come to a place where I'm continually seeking to die to self and to live uh, for Jesus, um, full stop. So this acknowledging Christ is a full-time job, N- knowing him, serving him, living for him. It's, it's all in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus is our bucket list. As a follower of Christ, you know it. We get caught up so much in uh, the things of, of this world, you know, the things that we long to do, the things that we long uh, to see, the things that we chase after. Um, That'd be a really cool t-shirt. Jesus is our bucket list. Maybe you should. I'll, I'll, I'll throw that over to Andrew Curtis and who can get it on a t-shirt for us and then we can market it. Jesus <laughs> is our bucket list. And then at the bottom, put Pentecost. We'll market this thing and we will get Pentecost rolling in the world. How, how does that? <laughs> that sounds great to me. Yeah. And then I guess you have to have in the back like some hamburgers and hot dogs to That's right. attach the food to it. And That's right. Okay. Like the flame for Jesus this Pentecost season. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're, now we're talking. So Jesus goes on. Let's skip down to verse 35 in Luke chapter 12, down to verse 35 to 48, we'll hit part of this. And now Jesus is talking about his return. So he's, he's preparing them. He's been telling them that he would be handed over to people and he'll be put to death and he'll rise from the dead. He would ascend back into heaven, but he's going to come back someday. And he says in verse 35, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like servants, we keep running into this word today, servants and slaves like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, 
and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This passage is interesting to me on a, on a few levels. One of those is that Jesus and Jesus uses metaphors in ways that are all over the map, and he he's comparing his return to a thief breaking into your house. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's not the most uh, flattering analogy that he made of, of himself, and he's he's telling people about living your life in such a way that you're preparing all the time for his return, for the, for the return of Jesus Christ. This, this passage, you know, how do, how do you read and, and live into this passage in your own life? Uh, it, it emphasizes the need, uh, I guess in some ways, to, to live as if Christ is, you know, returning this very next minute. And so, you know, Jesus uses, again, this... Uh, uh, in my mind, almost quirky uh, example of a, of a thief breaking in uh, to a house as a, as a metaphor for his return. And the point being that if you know the day and time that the thief is going to come, you're going to lock down the house. You're going to make it. Uh, you, you're going to make it so that he can't get in or that he can't uh, take from you. Uh, when I think of of Christ uh, coming or his return, I often compare it. Um, to, uh, you know, when you know somebody's coming over to visit your house or to come to stay with you, you know, the house could be in complete disarray, but the week prior or maybe 24 hours uh, prior to, to that family member showing up or that friend showing up who's going to stay with you, you get the house in order. You clean up uh, things. We're supposed to live as if Christ is coming back this very next second. So we're going to live, the idea is that we're going to live with our, uh, urgency. We're going to live um, out of a desire to be faithful uh, to Christ, living fully uh, into the mission that he's given us to go and, and to make disciples ultimately. Um, but we're going to live with some real urgency, with some real expectation uh, of, his, of his return. And so we're going to live into his calling uh, upon our life and seek to be faithful to him and, and seek to uh, be continually growing in the likeness uh, of Christ as well. Somehow we live you know, in these between times, between the time of Christ's first coming and his, his second coming. And it, as we're living in these between times in life, uh, to me it's, it's like live each day as if Christ were coming back today, yeah. but live my life as if he's not coming back until after I'm gone and dead. Uh, and I, I try to find that balance in my life. I'm not always super successful but there's a tension there of of not of not only thinking that Christ is coming back right now and and here are all the reasons and there's lots of people who come up with this is the day the time the week that Christ is going to come back and and those become I think a dangerous way to live because it's so clear in Scripture we don't know yeah. when He's coming. Jesus Himself says He doesn't know the hour. He, yeah, time, so if right? He doesn't know, how will I know? Right. Yet the tension there is to not dismiss that all the way and just assume he's not coming back till after I'm gone and dead, maybe a hundred years from now, maybe 2000 years from now. 
he could come back before this podcast recording is finished, right? To live our lives in that way. But on the other hand, not to only bank upon he's coming back right now. He, he's, he's coming back soon. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say this. They, they say things to me like, but well, wouldn't it be great if, if Jesus came back right now and just took us out of all these troubles that we're in in life? And, yeah, that, that'd be great. Bring, come, Lord Jesus, when you're ready. But I don't know that that's necessarily the, the way we should live our life, just hoping that he comes back soon so that I don't have to face the trials and tribulations, the persecutions, the, the pain that comes sometimes with living life, that, that we're called to be servants of Christ, slaves of Christ, regardless of how the day is going or the week or even the life that we're living is going. I, I don't know that there's a, a tension in there that exists for me. Yeah, I don't even know. You know, I, sometimes I, I think of it this way, you know, whether it's Christ's return or my death, whichever happens first, uh, the reality is I should live as if, as if the next minute is not guaranteed on this earth. And so I think to live uh, in light of, uh, of Christ's return, to live with that sense of urgency, but li- to live with that sense of urgency, knowing that tomorrow's not guaranteed uh, to me. You know, I mean, we could like legitimately, I, I got a, a guy that I went to high school with who is the epitome of good health, who has gone through some trying times uh, recently and had a massive heart attack. Now, thankfully, he survived, but he had a massive heart attack. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to us. And so we're called to live again, not to be redundant on this, but we're called to live with some urgency. We're called to live as if as if the, the next minute we could be with Christ, whether it's through his return or through our death. Um, and yet, to your point, we live, uh, we, don't, we oftentimes don't live through that lens. Yeah, we, we forget whose we are. So I think we often look at life through the lens of self. And if my life is going great, then I want it to continue. If my business is successful, I want to stay active in it. If my family is very healthy and functional, so to speak, then I want to go home. I don't know that that's the life we're called to. It's want, it, we're called to servanthood, period. Yeah. I want to die with my Jesus boots on, right? I don't want to die. I'm going to use this imagery. Uh, or, so that's the back side of the t-shirt. I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> Die with your Jesus boots on. Yeah, we could have a whole line of, of T-shirts well, and you, clothing. Well, you've been in the South just too long. Right. You, you were right. hanging out in Texas for quite a while, and you got all kinds of pithy sayings here. Right, but I mean, think about it. Like, <laughs> as Americans, I mean, in Western culture, we're, we're living not—oftentimes, we don't live for Christ as much as we live for retirement. I mean, we put more stock in preparing for— retirement than we do for in living for Jesus Christ. I, I, there seems to be even greater concern uh, to, to that end than, than for Jesus. I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of people of my generation who their, their essential goal, even folks who, who, who follow after Christ, their essential goal in life is to retire when they're 55. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, that 
that in their retirement, it won't mean active years for Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of folks out there who claim Christ as Savior who spend more time metaphorically walking on the beach than serving Jesus. I don't have a great response to that except, yeah. And it's, it is opposite of the call to be a servant of Christ, a, a slave for Christ. A walk on the beach is tremendous. I love, I love a walk on the beach. I, 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 love, to, I love to golf. But the purpose of my life is not to retire so that someday I can golf seven days a week. I'm speaking for myself. I, I don't know about others, but there there has to be something deeper and more. And I think Jesus seems to be hinting at that here today. In fact, we'll wrap it up down in verse 49. Verse 49, words which seem almost uncharacteristic out of the mouth of Christ. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Following Christ doesn't guarantee that there will be peace and harmony and all rainbows in the family. It does not guarantee it. It it simply means following Christ, wherever that takes us, and wherever that leads us. It doesn't mean that we should live, be intentionally living a life of misery, I don't think, but it also doesn't guarantee us a life on easy street. And to truly follow him, he, he, Luke 12 is a powerful chapter. To truly follow him is risky, dangerous, uncertain, demanding all in, desiring nothing but him. What do you got? Take us out of here on this one. I mean, it, it's one of those things. We're not looking for division in in. You know, throughout the New Testament, uh, we see not only Christ's call for unity um, among brothers and sisters in Christ, but we see the emphasis on unity uh, throughout the epistles. We see, uh, you know, Jesus' call for us to be peacemakers. The reality is, is that following after Christ um, itself will lend itself. I'm not pursuing division. I'm not pursuing misery. But I also recognize that following after Christ, bearing witness to Christ, will create, uh, in essence, uh, division. It will compel people to not necessarily uh, want to be in relationship uh, with me. And that's just the reality of, of living a life uh, for Jesus. As I, I've said before, 
Um, maybe not in, in this format, but I've said before, you know, you, you can go somewhere and you can build a well and people will pat you on the back for building that well. You go somewhere and you build a well in the name of Jesus Christ and they may want to kill you for it. And that's just the reality of following after Christ and yielding my life to him, recognizing that my life is not my own. It is Christ. And I can entrust myself uh, to the one who has died for me, to the one who has been raised to life uh, for me, and recognizing that as Christ lives, so will I. And therefore, I do not fear uh, death itself because I have an eternal inheritance that cannot be taken from me. Powerfully spoken. Powerfully spoken. So folks, be looking for the t-shirts to come out really soon. Jesus is my bucket list. And a dying with my Jesus boots on. That we'll we'll uh, we'll get those we'll get those up and up and running. Be, I, be looking. They're on a website somewhere probably. Be be looking for those because it's. I mean, it, we're we've hitting hitting today on these hard topics of what it means to be a true follower, a true follower of Jesus. Now now it's not going to get any easier. These passages in Luke are tough. Next episode we'll look at Jesus teaching on repentance and right living, even in the midst of misguided loyalties that were all around him. Until then, if you want to jump in deeper, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or our church app, and click on the Life of Jesus link. Until then, God bless. Have a great week.